I'm Sarah. And I'm Nicole. And this is... Eerie Encounters. Encounters. We'll get that right one day. (laughs) So at this podcast, what we do is we talk about everything eerie, spooky, weird, aliens, witches, ghosts, ghouls, anything that will give you a little bit of a flutter in the chest when you get a bit scared. That's what we're here for. And we love talking about this stuff. We do. I mean, we are absolutely obsessed with the paranormal and the supernatural and, oh, it's just nice to have a a platform to talk about it all on. And, yeah, people that will listen to us. Whether people want to listen to us is a different matter, I think, altogether. <laughs> but this is just us talking about the things that we find really interesting. So each week we're going to pick a theme and discuss that theme in a bit of detail. Each of us will choose a place or something within that topic to tell each other about. And if you have any ideas on themes, if you have a story that you'd like to share with us and hear on the podcast, please get in contact with us. Let us know this is your place to discuss the strange things that are happening all around us all the time. Yeah, and if you're a sceptic, tell us. We'd love to hear from you too. Skeptics are welcome. We have no boundaries here. (laughs) So yeah, you can get in contact with us via our website, which is eerie-encounters.co.uk. We're on the socials. Find that through our website, but you can find us on Facebook. You can find us on Instagram. And we would welcome any emails that you want to send to us. And you can send that through to podcast at eerie-encounters.co.uk. And we really look forward to being able to talk to more and more people about the things that we find fascinating. Yeah. Have our own little ghostly family going on at Eerie Family. Yeah. I like that, our Eerie Family. You know, most families have the odd characters in them, but nope, ours is the complete Eerie Family. Like the Adams Family, but creepier. <laughs> but today's topic is about somewhere that I think most people probably wouldn't associate with weird happenings and spooky goings on. And that is amusement parks or theme parks or anywhere that has rides that you would go to to have an enjoyable fun day out. You could either be with the family, with your partner, with friends. I mean, yeah, it's kind of a big scope that we're looking at here. And so I am going to be talking about Thorpe Park based in Chertsey and Surrey. And Sarah, what are you going to be talking about? Oh, you have to wait and see. <laughs> oh, come on. <laughs> Don't leave a girl in suspense over here. Oh, am I going first? I think in some ways, if you tell us about yours first, because we are looking at one of the oldest amusement parks in the UK with you, aren't we? Yeah. So my location this week is known as one of the most famous tourist attractions in an iconic seaside town and it's really easily recognized because it has a landmark there brings thousands of visitors to this location every year and you can actually see this location as you come up the motorway so it's a really telltale sign that you're nearly at your destination and it's not just a glorious sight to see as you approach the iconic seaside town but it's also this tourist attraction that brings in thousands of visitors every year to the seaside It is Blackpool Tower and Blackpool Pleasure Beach. So I visited this location a few weeks ago and I thought, yeah, I need to include this in our podcast. 
So let's launch into the history. Well, I have a confession to uh-huh. make. I have never been to Blackpool. Oh. And it's probably somewhere that I'd really like to visit. I mean, I've seen quite a lot of stuff about it on the telly, and you've obviously got the Blackpool Illuminations. I just haven't ever been there. But before, a few weeks ago, I hadn't either. I mean, my husband had, and he'd been going on about it for ages. But I've, I hadn't been there either, to be fair. I've, again, always wanted well, to. Well, I only recently visited Brighton, and that's just down the road. Okay, that's a little bit more shocking. That literally is just down the road. <laughs> <laughs> yep, only visited it last year for the first time. That is a bit sad, isn't it? It's like one of our closest beaches. Mind you, we don't have a lot of hot weather for the beach, do we, really? Yeah. Well, it's because where I grew up, I grew up down in Southampton, and what we would usually do is we'd go Dorset way. We wouldn't really go Brighton way. Yeah. So, again, I hadn't been to Kent properly until I moved there. So, yeah, the, all these places that you just don't go to, even if it's around the corner. And Nick used to live in Australia, so, you know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Right. Blackpool Pleasure Beach. So, let me jump into the history then. So, in 1895, a Yorkshire meat trader called John Alfwhite opened a steam carousel and offered his rides out to people. And then another man, called William George Bean, who leased the land between the gypsy encampment that settled there and Alfwhite's carousel, opened the first amusement ride, which was a pedal-bite monorail. So you had to pedal. You had to get in it and pedal. I'm it. assuming so. It it was called the pedal bike monorail. I'm not. I don't know. <laughs> I didn't find any pictures of this one that far I'm back. I'll have to have a look. So from there, Bean founded the Pleasure Beach Company on the 23rd of April, 1896, and he gave it the tagline that it was an American-style amusement park where adults could feel like children again, which I really like. It's like Neverland. So in 1901, Alfwaite, the carousel guy, and Bean, monorail guy, joined forces. And in 1903, they borrowed £30,000 between them to buy 40 acres of land near to the Star Inn, which was a pub that was on the location at the time. Then came along the Thompson family. And Doris Thompson, who is actually the grandmother of the current managing director, Amanda Thompson, and was W.G. Bean's daughter, their son, Geoffrey Thompson, and he then took over from his parents, uh, Leonard and Doris, in 1976. So it's a real family business. And the same family working it today. That's really nice. I know, I really like that. Just gives it also that family feel. So visitors to Blackpool Pleasure Beach can still see a number of the original features and the original rides. And many of the rides are actually over 100 years old, which I must admit kind of worried me a little bit. That creeps me out. Yeah, that creeps me out. It was a bit concerning, I must admit. And you do feel it. The rides are quite bumpy and jittery and creaky and high. And I was thinking, hmm, this is antique. I hope it works. So, yeah, a little bit disconcerting. <laughs> so the flying machine that's near to the front entrance actually opened in August 1904. And it's actually the oldest continuous work in amusement park ride, not just in Blackpool, but in Europe. Wow. Although the gondolas have been replaced with rocket carriages, 
Otherwise, it's still the original ride. Yeah, I might give that one a miss. Rides shouldn't be that old. I mean, things need updating, a little bit of a, you know, do me up. And I think things that you're going to be riding on is probably one of those things. From my perspective, what I understand a theme park or an amusement park to be is somewhere where you can get yourself really scared, but in a controlled environment where you know that you are going to be safe. So you get that little bit of a intense buzz from the situation, but you're like, I'm not in any real danger here. It's okay. Whereas in Blackpool, yeah, maybe not. <laughs> Depends. I don't know. I don't want to cast any dispersions <laughs> on Blackpool and their rides, I but safe. makes me feel a little bit more on the nervous side. But perhaps that's just me. <laughs> I'm sure all the rides are safe. We don't want to be telling people that Blackpool's not safe. Oh, no, it's just me feeling that it's a bit like, oh, I don't know if I'd want to. Certainly adds to the fear factor, I think. Oh, yeah. Hypes it up a bit, maybe. So... It's not just the rides that are super old. The rolling skating rink was actually built in 1909. Later in 1935, it was demolished to make way for the Ice Drome, which was built in 1936, and it makes it the oldest purpose-built Ice Drome in the world. And there is a ice show that still runs today, which actually began in 1936, making it the longest-running ice show in the world. Wow. And then we have Noah's Ark, which is another iconic feature, which opened in April 1922. Now, sadly, it's been closed since 2008, but nevertheless, it's still there, and you can still see it at the entrance of the park. So, loads of history there. Loads of history at this park. I mean, I was just, again, another mammoth rabbit hole that I went down when I was looking at the history. Between 1910 and 1920, following the First World War, investment in the park actually had to stop due to difficulties in exporting rides from the US of A. However, despite this, profits continued to soar, and the company was one of the most prolific employers in the northwest of England. And then on the 23rd of August, 1923, the classic Big Dipper wooden roller coaster launched, and again, is still in operation today. Wow. And by the 30s, uh, Leonard Thompson succeeded his father-in-law to become the managing director of Blackpool Pleasure Beach and then took over the running of the park. And it was during this decade that many new rides were introduced, such as the roller coaster, the Pleasure Beach Express, and then the world-famous Twin Coaster and the Grand National, so both of which I rode when I went there too, and they are still there as well. But during the Second World War, again... We had, there was a temporary halt to progress, but despite these challenging times, the park remained open and actually enabled thousands of evacuees and service personnel and the British public to escape the reality of the war, so it remained open all throughout the war. Pretty cool. Yeah, so it was nice that you had that escapism, especially during such a difficult time. In the 50s, expansion continued and the park started to launch new rides including the Wild Mouse Wooden Coaster and the Derby Racer, which I also rode on, which is opened in 1959. And there is a carousel there that has 56 horses and each of them are beautifully hand-carved. 
Now, my favorite ride, I must admit, was the bobsleigh coaster, which is absolutely awesome. And that opened in 1988 to mark the year the British bobsleigh team were competing in the Winter Olympics. And it was the first, and as of 2020, according to my research at least, remains the only bobsleigh coaster in the United Kingdom. Wow. So yeah, loads of groundbreaking sort of first for Blackpool it really really is and this one in 1994 Jeffrey Thompson invested a whooping 12 million into the park for the world's tallest and fastest roller coaster at the time the Pepsi Max big one now this one is terrifying it is 235 feet tall and I'm not gonna lie it's high it's really (laughs) high and it's just ridiculous it changed the skyline of the Blackpool seafront and it's also a little bit bumpy. You get thrown around all over the place. So in the 2020s, Blackpool Pleasure Beach had the highest investment up until this point with 15 million being put towards the park. And Amanda Thompson, the OBE, who I mentioned earlier, the granddaughter of the managing director. She became managing director in 2004 and continues to retheme and refurbish. Um, so we had the world's first roller coaster suspended entirely over water that was introduced. Because that's not creepy. Yeah, yeah. So just, again, you're being thrown around all over the place at the speed of goodness knows what. We're going to do it over water. Yay! <laughs> And then they also introduced a six-acre area of the park, which was transformed into Nickelodeon land, which I love. (laughs) And then there was another first in 2018. Icon, the first UK double launch coaster, costing 16.25 million. So as you can see, Blackpool is groundbreaking and constantly pushing boundaries and making history. So it's ever-changing and ever-evolving. And in 2021, it celebrated its 125th birthday. Wow. A bit of history about Blackpool Pleasure Beach. So, on to the reason that we're all here. The ghosts and spirits. Blackpool Pleasure Beach is well known for being one of the UK's most visited attractions, but it's also well known for being incredibly haunted. So there are several spirits that are reportedly residing in the famous Blackpool theme park. But probably the most famous and well-known is Cloggy, who ironically enough haunts the ghost train attraction. The irony. Sweet, sweet irony. I know. So he is apparently the spirit of a former train operator who was known for wearing clogs. Hence the name. Visitors, staff and maintenance workers have all reported hearing Cloggy walking around the ghost train as they hear the distinctive sounds of him walking in his clogs. So according to the Blackpool Gazette, local historian Julian Gregston did some research on Cloggy and found out that he was a really committed member of staff who loved the Pleasure Beach and thrived on giving guests the best experience, ensuring that customers had the fright of their lives when on the ghost train. Brilliant. And it seems that this is still the case even after he's passed away. So visitors have said that after dismounting the ride, they've felt the presence of someone they couldn't see but could hear. So he's just lurking in the background. Yeah, so they're hearing the sound of his clogs walking up behind them, 
which well, isn't scary. It sounds like he's nice. Yeah, it sounds like he's nice. It sounds like he actually enjoyed his job. He enjoyed what he was doing. And maybe he just wants to see what the people are thinking. Not creepy in the slightest on a ghost train. Yeah, I mean, obviously enjoyed his job so much. He stayed there after he passed exactly. to give the visitors an enjoyable experience. For example, well, I'm, I'm actually part of the ghost train now. I might as well add to the add to the excitement. So over the years, reports and stories of strange occurrences on the ghost train have only increased. And many are reporting the feeling of spider webs. So, you know, that feeling of something really lightly touching your skin that you kind of just want to brush no, off. Oh, that's creepy. Only to find that the extra sensations were not actually part of the ghost train ride at all. And any of the strings that used to be hanging up had been removed. And workers have heard loud sounds, tapping, footsteps and groaning echoing throughout the walls. And there's been occasions where staff, when they're leaving, have turned all the power off and the electrics, and then they've turned to face the ride and seen that the skull at the top of the ride would still be lit up. So they'd have to go back inside to investigate, and on one occasion they spent more than an hour trying to work out what was causing the fault, but they couldn't work it out. A few psychics have visited the ride, and have also picked up on a few different spirits within the ghost train, including... The spirit of a Japanese man who is talking about the pretzel. And it turns out that no, this isn't a seaside snack. This is actually a ride that dates back to 1930 that was actually on the site of the current ghost train. And this ride was introduced by a Japanese man called, I'm going to butcher this, I'm sorry, Kamaya. We'll go with Kamaya. Psychics also picked up on a man called Joseph Emberton. And again, this has been confirmed as he was the man that actually built the ride in 1936 uh, to be what it is now, the ghost train. Now, both of these men are said to be arguing, apparently, and shouting at each other. But I haven't found too many stories on this. I'm wondering if this is probably a residual haunting. Obviously, a dispute over sort of the ride. Maybe one of them didn't want the ride to change. I mean, if a the pretzel was the original ride and then you've got another guy coming along and changing the ride to a ghost train. Obviously there was a fallout, so I'm wondering if this is just a residual a residual haunt. However, Cloggy is by no means the only ghost to be hanging around at Blackpool Pleasure Beach. Recently there have been sightings of a young girl who's said to be about 9 or 10 and she's seen wearing old-fashioned clothes and appears and disappears. In Sir Hiram Maxim Gist Shop, underneath... The Sir Hiram Maxim Flying Machine, Mm-mm. which is the oldest ride in the park, which was built, the one that I was talking about earlier, that was built in 1904. And she's often thought to be responsible for moving objects around the shop and playing innocent pranks on the staff. Now, the staff say that if, she, <laughs> if they put new things out and they say that she doesn't like them, they move when nobody is in there. So they'll be taken off the shelves and put somewhere else. She often puts things away. She doesn't like what's being sold. Now, no one's certain who this little girl is, but she has been seen during the daytime and at night. So she can be seen anytime. And we also have the ice rink. And the ice rink is particularly haunted. And in fact, people say it's probably the creepiest place out of the whole park. And staff and visitors often hear the sound of someone ice skating on the rink when nobody is there. And also report equipment and lighting being shut off and tools moving on their own. 
and doors are slamming shut on their own and there's even a report of a door that's been found wide open on multiple occasions no even after it's been padlocked so that's quite a quite a statement staff often feel really uncomfortable and they talk about a presence that's near them which makes them feel really really uneasy and somebody stated that it was like this cold chill to the bone feeling and it's a really awful presence so it's actually making staff feel quite uncomfortable so it's probably the scariest place in the park it certainly sounds a lot scarier than cloggy on the ghost train now what i find really really interesting though in my research is that the blackpool coastline is also said to be haunted and according to the british paranormal website It states that over the centuries, the shoreline erosion has consigned scores of towns and villages to an underwater fate. And Kilmigrel is one of these villages, and it was originally situated off the coast of Blackpool. Now, it's thought that this village was actually swallowed up by waves sometime during the Dark Ages. So there's actually a village that is now completely submerged underwater. And it's said that ever since Kilmigrel, again, I'm so sorry for that, disappeared, residents of Blackpool have been reporting paranormal phenomena all along the town's coastline. Now again, the paranormal website states it's been claimed that on dark nights, ghostly lights can be seen shimmering on the horizon and the mournful sound of melancholy shanties can be heard drifting across the water. Now it's particularly common are reports of a church bell that can be heard on stormy nights. It's thought that by geological experts that the settlement was possibly swallowed up by a catastrophic event and possibly something suddenly happened, an unexpected natural weather event. Blimey. And this traumatic disaster has obviously resulted in the village being submerged and the death of many desperate souls. So it's possible that the only warning they would have had was the sound of a ringing of a bell. So possibly this is what people are hearing. How scary is that? No wonder Blackpool is so haunted. And when I was doing my research, like it's not just the Pleasure Beach. The whole of this sort of Blackpool walk, there are stories along that coastline in those buildings, in the theatres. It's a hotbed for paranormal activity. So you know where we're going, Nick. We're going to do another investigation up in Blackpool. And considering you just said that you've never been... I haven't. I think I've not been. it's a must. So, Bring yes, it on. <laughs> that is a Blackpool Pleasure Beach. So have you? Have any of you been? Have any of you had any experiences there? I'd love to hear them. As I said, I fell down a really deep rabbit hole with this one. So loads of, loads of stories. So, yeah, get in touch. Over to you, Nick. What have you got for us? So I am going to talk about Thorpe Park, which is literally just up the road from us. It is one of the main major theme parks. So I mean, there's Alton Towers, there's Chessington, there's Legoland. It's kind of in that kind of group of theme parks and amusement parks. It is just up in Chertsey, so it's very close to London. It is in, it's kind of like a reclaimed area. I think it was originally a gravel pit that they've then taken over and put in all of these rides. I've been to 
Thorpe Park a couple of times, I have to say that I am not the best person on rides. So I went to a fright night, so you can be in the park later than what you would usually be in there. So I think they throw you out at about 10. We arrived at lunchtime and by about half past 12, I was not at all well. We went on, I think it was Saw. They then decided they wanted to go on the swinging boat thing. And that did me in. I was the bag lady for the rest of the day, letting everyone else go off and enjoy themselves whilst I sat feeling very sorry for myself. I can't do those rides. I cannot. They absolutely finish me off. I mean, I can do roller coasters. I can do the high things. I can do the upside down. I don't like them. But the swinging things. And teacups. I mean, I'm, yeah. Yeah, no. Just gone. No. The little banana boat ride and the teacups. And I'm, yeah, green. Yep. I was green for the entire day. And when Lawrence came and collected me from the train station, he took one look at me and said, what time did you go on those rides? And at this point it was 10pm at night and I was still green. I was not, not a happy person at that point, let's put it that way. But there are some ghost stories associated with Thorpe Park. As I said, these theme parks are meant to be happy places and exciting places and places that you go to seek some thrills and a little bit of being able to scare yourself but in a way that is controlled and you know that you're not really going to get hurt and it's all safe but there are some interesting stories and the story that I want to talk to you about is the relocation of a theme park ride that was being built at Thorpe Park. Have you heard about this? Do you know I think I have. I think I heard about I think I saw something the paper about this a few years ago. Was it the Storm Surge ride? It was the Storm Surge ride. So they started building this particular ride back in 2011 and they had started building the foundations and as a result of them starting to disturb where they were going to put this particular ride, things started to happen. And because of those haunting happenings, which I think is a good thing, they decided to move that location to the ride to somewhere else within the theme park because it was... I mean, the workers on it were getting spooked. People were seeing things. Things were moving. I think it's probably the best decision. And it's really interesting that the owners and the management at the theme park made that decision to go, you know what? I know we've started building this. They probably resulted in losing thousands and thousands of pounds, but they went, you know what? It needs to move. We're not happy with where it is. For everyone's safety, for everyone's being able to enjoy the ride, it needs to be somewhere else. So... It was reported in 2011 that whilst workers were creating the water ride at Thorpe Park for the new season, so it hadn't started yet, they were just building the ride, they started to notice ghostly sightings that included, they started to notice ghostly sightings which included a headless monk. What? Yeah. I mean, that's, the fact that they moved an entire ride anyway must have cost them a fortune. Yep. But also... That's quite a statement. I mean, 
If you've got people that are getting a little bit scared and you're saying to management, the only thing we're going to do is completely turn your plans upside down and move the ride. That dedication, isn't it? I mean, yeah, that must have been some haunting. But a monk, do you think it's attached to the land? Yes. So the area that they were building the ride in was near somewhere called Monk's Walk. And you kind of go, well, something in the name's giving it away there as to what might be happening. But along this walk, it actually connected Chertsey Abbey to Thorpe Church. So there was this walk that joined the two areas together. And in something that was pretty bad is that there was a massacre at Chertsey Abbey. So that might be where these ghosts have come from is as a result of this massacre that happened. So along this particular area, they found that when they were building the ride, that they started to find things were moving on their own and also that they would be feeling that someone was watching over their shoulder. So not necessarily the nicest of feelings for people at this point. So to find out what was going on, management actually employed a paranormal detection agency to come in and do some experiments and to do some investigation to find out what was happening in that area and I think the worst thing is like this wasn't like the smallest water ride I mean storm surge was 64 feet tall it it was pretty big and the footpath where it was being built they had to dig down about 15 meters to be able to make sure it was stable and it wasn't going to collapse or anything and then they found that previously they had actually found coffins in that area so it's also thought that they disturbed a burial ground at the same time so probably again not the best idea to have your ride there maybe in the future they might look a bit more into the area before they start building just to you know save a bit of money but the rides foundations as i said went into where they thought or where they'd found coffins before and because of the increase in the eerie happenings and the eerie encounters that they were experiencing the only thing that was happening at the time in the park that was new was building the new ride so at that point they associated the disturbances with the new ride and so employees started to get freaked out it kept getting worse and worse they got the paranormal group to come in so the southwest london paranormal group came in and carried out investigations they said that on a weekly basis they would have medium to weak results but when they investigated at thorpe park There was striking results and they picked up immediately were orbs, ghostly images and photographs, Ouija reactions and these results were being strongest around the site where they were proposing to build Storm Surge. And was this the first time that they'd had any paranormal activity? I think from what I can see is that they've always perhaps seen monks in that location. But it stepped up as soon as they started building the exactly and at that point they went oh we better maybe we shouldn't necessarily build it just there and did they date back the burial site did they know sort of what they're looking at is it a plague pit or is it older i'm not than that? really sure i couldn't necessarily find it out as to what was the reason for the burial 
background there, but I know that Chertsey Abbey, as I was saying, was founded in 666 AD. There was a massacre which killed all of the the monks there, which was pretty sad. And I think as a result of that, there were issues that have just occurred as a result of things that happened in that area. And I mean, probably the dissolution of the the abbeys and so on probably didn't necessarily help what was happening there. Yeah, oh wow. They also brought in, which I thought was really interesting, that a forensic geophysicist who came in called Peter Masters, and he came in and he started to use deep ground radar to see what was going on underneath. And from his preliminary investigations, there were some signatures that looked similar to other burial grounds, possibly ancient burial grounds. So this might even be before the time of the Abbey and that it was worth them continuing on doing further investigations. He also said that although this could simply be an old building, with Thorpe's history, the investigation is worth going on. And I did try to see if I could find anything about what the the geophysicist found in that area and I could not find anything on the internet so if you know or anybody out there knows what happened or even if someone happens to know Peter Masters of Cranfield University please get in contact with us I would love to know what else you would find I mean it's pretty awesome that all of this happened the other thing that I just wanted to say was that the Southwest London Paranormal Society also found that they had captured several images that showed a strange mist that materialised. So it wasn't necessarily seen in real life with the naked eye, but as soon as they took pictures, they could see this mist on the image. But they did say that this could be as a result of the weather at the time of the investigation. So you've also got to factor in external things because they are outside doing an investigation. Have you seen these photos from the paranormal? I have. Can you put them up on social media? Yeah, I can certainly go and find them. And I'll try and share as much as I can on our social media so that you can have a look at what I'm talking about. It's pretty cool, all of this stuff. That's so cool. I mean, I just think, you know, I I love Fort Park and it's definitely one of my husband's favourite places, even though he's not a big rider either. Does he like but, Thorpe Park or does he really like the Fright Nights? I mean, the Fright Nights the are pretty The Fright awesome. Nights are pretty good. I mean, yeah, I've done a few of those and they scare me more than the ghosts. I mean, give me real <laughs> ghosts any day, but people dressed as ghosts, oh my god! jumping out just, and, yeah, scaring your pants off. And it's clowns. I mean, please no one suggests we ever do haunted circuses because that would be me finished off because I have this unusual... Like, I don't think it's terror. unusual. I think most people oh. might have a thing about clowns. They're just creepy. I mean... I just don't trust anyone that has a smile painted on their face. I just... It's... Yeah. No, d- it's so creepy. My parents took me to a circus when I was a kid, and I think it was probably the single most traumatic event of my life. It's well, just... Yeah. yeah no... So there is a, a like a maze there at Halloween, all to do with clowns, and yeah, I honestly just Wasn't cry <laughs> for the whole thing. And I accidentally hit someone back, and oh my goodness, it's but that's just the yeah. Thing isn't it when you're if in you're that gonna situation, touch me, 
I'm gonna react. They have all yeah. these signs saying, please don't touch your actors, but don't touch me. If somebody's gonna grab me, I'm gonna react. It's, you know. Natural. Yeah. It's fight or oh. fight, and you are fighting. I am fighting. I am fighting that clown hard. Clown <laughs> is going down. I also think that my aversion to clowns may be also something to do with the serial killer John Wayne Gacy, who there are multiple pictures of him dressed up in his clown costume whilst also at the same time murdering different people i think mainly young men and burying them in the crawl space under his house just yeah that clowns are no clowns are no do it yeah clowns clowns are no they can they can get in the bag we're gonna have a bag of just no not today clowns (laughs) in the bag clowns are not not today (laughs) no well Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Eerie Encounters. I'm Nicole. And I'm Sarah. And that was Eerie Eerie Encounters. Encounters.